Very good evening. Please do be seated. It's lovely to see you all here this evening. We're now in the second Sunday of Advent. We're continuing that series, looking at the parables of the coming, the return of Christ in Matthew 24 and 25. This is now Matthew chapter 25. It would be great if you could open your Bible again to Matthew chapter 25. That was page 989, page 989. And if you've got that, then shall we pray? Mighty Father, we give you thanks for the word that you have given to us. We pray now that as we consider that word together, you would prepare both our hearts and our minds, that they would be changed by your word. And now, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I wonder whether you've ever been to Tokyo. I've never been to Tokyo myself, but I've read about Tokyo, and one of the things I've read about Tokyo is that it is a city that exists in a state of constant readiness, because they know that at any time an earthquake could strike at the heart of the city. They could have only moments to prepare, and so they're constantly getting ready. They conduct every year large-scale earthquake drills. Every child knows what to do. Every office worker knows what to do. Everyone at home knows what to do. The hospitals are ready to deal with the aftermath. For them, being ready is not a one-time thing. They do need to be ready now, but they also need to make wise decisions to make sure they will still be ready in the long term as well. And in today's passage, we see that we too as Christians need to be making wise decisions to make sure that we are ready, not just today, but in the long term as well. Jesus might return today, and I pray that if he does, we are all ready for him. But it might also be a long time before he returns, and so we must plan wisely to be ready for him to come then too. The way that Jesus helps us to see this is through a parable concerning a Jewish wedding feast, and we'll walk through it together. Here is Matthew 25 and verse 1. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. It was a custom amongst the Jews. As soon as Jesus says it, they know what he's talking about. This party of young unmarried women have an important job. Their job is to carry lamps and greet the bridegroom as he arrives and then escort him with joy into the wedding feast. But immediately we read something ominous. Verse 2. But five of them were foolish and five were wise. We're being set up to learn a lesson about being foolish or being wise, aren't we? And the way we see their foolishness or wisdom comes in how they prepare for their one task. Verse 3, for when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But when the wise, but the wise 
took flasks of oil with their lamps. Now, I want us to notice that at this point, all is well. If the bridegroom comes back right now, all of them are ready to greet him, aren't they? Wise and foolish alike. But he doesn't come right now. He is, verse 5, delayed. He is so delayed, in fact, that they became drowsy and slept. And then, at midnight, comes a cry. Here is the bridegroom. Come out and meet him. The bridegroom has arrived suddenly at an hour they did not expect, and they have to be ready. Does that sound familiar? If you were here last week, perhaps it reminds you of what we heard then. In that previous passage, Jesus compared himself and his coming to a whole series of images. It would be, he said, like the sudden coming of Noah's flood. It would be like the thief that comes at an hour you do not expect in the night. It would be like the master who comes at the hour his servant does not know. And here today his coming is to be like the bridegroom that comes when they do not expect. But that's not the only thing that should be familiar here. Because the image of bridegroom and wedding feast is a rich Old Testament picture too. In the Old Testament, God uses the picture of a bridegroom for himself as he promises to come for his people and make them his forever. He uses the picture of the great feast as a picture of the joys of fellowship with him in the kingdom of God. We heard a little bit about that in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. And if you're tracking Matthew's gospel, already in this gospel, Jesus has called himself the bridegroom and compared the kingdom of heaven to a king who prepares a wedding feast. What does that mean? It means that as we hear this parable this evening, it is not just an abstract story with a moral meaning. It is a picture of the true bridegroom, Jesus, and what it means to be wise or foolish as we stay ready for his coming. And this is what the virgins are about to discover. For verse 7, all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. It's a hard word, isn't it? But it's a necessary word. There would not be enough oil for both of them to share. And in fact, the question on the day that Jesus comes will not be whether there is someone else with oil to spare. The question will be whether you individually are ready. You remember last week? For it will be like two men working in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Well, verse 10 so happens that while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, 
Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Have you ever known someone who has turned up late for a wedding reception? Or, or perhaps you yourself have done it. Have you ever known someone do that before? If you did, what happened? Did the bridegroom come and bar the doors and drive away the latecomer and stop him coming in? Is that what happened? I'm thinking it didn't, right? So what's happening in this parable? Why is the bridegroom so harsh? Why do his words sound so hard? Do you notice how he starts what he says? He says, truly, I say to you. And that phrase is Jesus' own catchphrase. Twenty-nine more times in Matthew we hear those words, and every single time it introduces words spoken by Jesus, important words. Here in the parable, it signals to us that what we're hearing is the voice of the true bridegroom breaking through into the world of the parable. Here we are hearing Jesus himself saying to those who are not ready for his coming, truly I say to you, I do not know you, and barring them from the kingdom of heaven itself. And that is the very hard but very important lesson we must learn from these foolish virgins. Pay attention to them. Think about them for a moment with me. They do know Jesus. There was a time when they were ready for him to come. Yet a day will come when they will cry out to him, Lord, Lord, when they will even ask that the door would be open unto them. Yet he will say, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. For when he came, they were no longer ready. Dear brothers and sisters, it is not enough to be ready for Jesus to come when we expect. We need to be ready for him to come when we do not expect, however far in the future that might be. And in order to do that, we need to be making wise decisions now to stay ready until he comes. How do we do that? Well, I think one way of thinking about how we do that is to think about some of the Christians you know. Perhaps you know Christians who you have seen are staying firm and ready for Christ over years and decades as they wait. Ask yourself, what are the wise things that they do that are helping them to stay ready? Or perhaps, sadly, you know people who once seemed to be strong and ready in Christ who have made foolish choices and somehow drifted away. What happened there? What can you learn? As one of your pastors, I have both the great joy and the sorrow of seeing both of these kind of things happen. And so I'd like to share with you three examples, perhaps, of things I think we can learn from. The first thing is the great importance of regularly attending a church that teaches the Bible. 
a good church. We are wise if we make decisions that will help us to keep doing this. A common time we will need to make that kind of decision is concerning work. Sometimes we don't have much choice about our work, I know that, but sometimes we do have choices to make. Suppose you were offered a job that paid more or gave you great career opportunities, but you know it's going to involve lots of traveling and working on Sundays or something like that. You know it's going to mean you're not able to attend a good church regularly. I put it to you that it would probably be foolish to take that job and miss out on the regular nurture of a local church. In fact, the Bible itself speaks of the purpose of our meetings in the same language. It says in Hebrews, do not neglect the meeting together of yourselves, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Please, do not assume that because you are a strong, mature Christian today, that you will remain ready for Christ in the long term if you neglect his gift of the community of the church. The second example I want to talk about is the need for making wise choices when we choose a spouse. A good Christian spouse is a very great blessing from God. He or she can pray with you, encourage you in Christ, read scripture with you, work together with you to keep your whole family ready until the day he returns. And these are things which a non-Christian spouse, however nice they may be, just cannot really do. And in fact, they will often end up pulling you in the other direction. Now, I want to say clearly at this point that it is possible to remain faithful to Christ with a non-Christian spouse. In fact, I know that some of us were already married to non-Christians before we became Christians, and, and we remain faithful to Christ through the grace of God. But just because something is possible does not mean that it is a wise decision to make, does it? I want to say that it is a foolish decision as a Christian to decide to marry a non-believer when we understand how that can work against us staying ready for the return of Christ. The Bible pictures this as two oxen being yoked together, one oxen strong and the other one weak. And you find that when you try to pull with the oxen, they can't pull together. And they end up going round in circles and you get nowhere at all. As scripture says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Make wise choices that will help you to stay ready for Christ. And don't forget that even wise King Solomon was eventually pulled away from God by his unbelieving wives. Our third example actually is a warm encouragement because I want to share with you what it is I see in the lives of those saints amongst us who are holding firm to Christ and trusting in him over decade after decade after decade. 
and it is a great mystery, and it is a great secret, but just now, just this evening, I'm going to reveal that secret to you. These, almost entirely, are saints who spend time regularly reading God's Word and praying. These are the saints that when I go to see them, they can tell me what they've been reading and what they've been praying about. These are part of God's means of grace to his people to keep us firm in Christ until the end. Let me encourage you to keep up with that, those things. Now, having talked about these wise decisions, I want to be clear about another point. I want to be crystal clear that we are not saved by making wise decisions. We are saved because Christ Jesus came the first time. He took our sins, he died in our place, and we believe and trust the promise of his death. But what we are seeing here by this parable, we are being challenged to think wisely about things that will help us to keep trusting in that promise of his death until he comes again. Even the foolish virgins believed that he would come, didn't they? Yet by the time he did, they were not ready anymore. As verse 13 urges us, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. One more thing I want to say on that. As you do make wise decisions, please don't be put off by what other people say. I'm sure, I suspect, that the foolish virgins were looking at the wise virgins and muttering and thinking that they're foolish for going to the trouble of getting extra oil and bringing it all the way. And that's how people tend to think, isn't it? But you can be sure of this. Just as the wise virgins were shown to be wise on the day the bridegroom came, our wise decisions will be vindicated when Christ comes and we are ready. And that's the other big lesson, isn't it? Because the bridegroom did come, just as he promised. The virgins were ready, just as they planned. And they did enter with him to the joy of the wedding feast. And I guarantee you that as they walked through that open door, there is not one of them who had the slightest regret about the wise things they did to stay ready. And dear brothers and sisters, our bridegroom will come soon. You can be sure of it. It is a crucial and essential part of his great plan. He came the first time to be born as man and to suffer and die for our sins, not just to forgive us now, but so that he can come, and bring, come back and bring us to be in his kingdom forever. Just as surely as he came and died and rose again, he will come back to bring those who are ready to his kingdom, to that place where God has swallowed up death forever, where we will sit and eat with a bridegroom in the perfect peace of the world to come. You can be sure of that. As we close... I would like to leave us all with a challenge. 
I would like to challenge each one individually to think now of one wise decision you can make, perhaps something you're going to start to do or something you think it would be wise to stop doing. Something wise that is going to help you to stay ready for the coming of Christ, no matter how long that might be. And I challenge you to pray for God's help to do it. Let's all be wise and watchful. For the bridegroom will come at an hour we do not expect. Let's pray. Mighty Father, we thank you for the assurance we have that your Son, the bridegroom, will indeed return to bring his people to the joys of your kingdom, to the marriage feast of the Lamb, to sit and eat with you and enjoy that place where there is no more mourning or death or pain anymore. We thank you for the call of this parable to be wise, to make wise decisions that will help us to be ready for the day he comes. We pray that you would work by your spirit to help us make those decisions, to help us stay ready, to help us to do the things which will stop us from drifting away or be be found not ready when he comes. And we pray for that day when he does come. We pray you will indeed send him back soon, that you would take us to be with him. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.